What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week and episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. What does that mean to you if this is your first time or your 212th, which is, that is what today's episode is, 212th. We appreciate you tuning in just to learn and elevate and get more knowledge about the Amazon e-commerce space. That's where I bring on guests, a lot smarter than me clearly, but I bring them into my corner of the internet. So we make sure that you can apply this to your business, your e-commerce brand, your growing enterprise, if you will, all the way up to um, if you potentially might be exiting your brand or business or just happen to do business in the e-commerce space, this is the podcast for you. But before we get started, just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Ping Pong Payments. Who's Ping Pong Payments? They are a cross-border payment solution helping sellers keep more of their money. If you're selling internationally, which is what we're going to be talking about today, or in different marketplaces all around the Amazon ecosystem, you are receiving funds in different currencies. Newsflash, Amazon might be doing that for you and charging you a high conversion fee. You don't want to be paying more fees than you have to. Use ping pong payments to receive more funds, have control over them, and when they hit your bank account, and just ultimately have control over your business. Sign up for free at usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast in order to sign up for free and catch all of our episodes that we've released on the audio format and video format and uh, get catch the transcriptions, if you will, if you miss key takeaways or if you missed a couple of uh, notions from past episodes and guests, you can go and check it out there. But we're on all your favorite podcast destinations, whether it be Amazon Music, Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Or if you're watching live, this is an interactive show. So if you have questions and are watching on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, go ahead and ask your questions. Let us know where you're listening from. And uh, we'll make sure that we get your questions answered if they're applicable. And of course, um, love to say hi to people um, that are listening and engaging with us as well. So that for out further ado, uh, we're kicking off the week really strong this week. Lots of great content coming your way. Today's no exception. We've titled today's episode for those who haven't read the description gateway to Amazon Europe. What does that mean? Amazon Europe and what functionality you see right there on the screen. If you're watching this EU, that doesn't necessarily mean EU. It could be Europe. uh, It could be England. It could be um, all sorts of other functionalities. Over 20 now marketplaces in the Amazon ecosystem. What does that mean for you, a brand, if you're looking to grow internationally? If you're selling just on Amazon.com, you might be looking to different marketplaces like, uh, in this case, uh, Germany or United Kingdom or Italy, for example, if your brand or product fits those descriptions, we're going to be talking about what makes sense for you and how to get into that ever-evolving ecosystem. So without further ado, we actually, uh, with episode 212, we're, uh, we brought on guest who is with Market Distry, and his name is Steph Bambuco. He is uh, the founder and one of the actual, let me pull up real quickly, his, his little bio, if you will. There is a Um, I'll I'll just actually bring him in because he's one of the founders and helpers of this marketplace growing over, I want to say six figures in ASINs uh, that is helping grow internationally across all Amazon brands. Steph, welcome to Crossover Commerce. That's the button I was looking for. Uh, How are you doing today? 
Thank you, Ryan. Uh, I'm doing uh, well. I'm excited to be part of your show. I'm just glad we can see you and hear you today. Uh, for those Me listening, we, <laughs> we were having a little uh, video camera troubles today, but that's Tuesday. For, it's the Chinese New Year, and I also want to uh, wish everyone who's who might be listening to this a happy Chinese New Year um, for all of our international um, friends and partners out there, too. So this is February 1st. Thanks for joining us on a uh, a quick, I, I guess it's the first part of the year, uh, calendar year, but uh, we appreciate the time for you hopping on today and talking about a really cool topic in Amazon Europe. But before we get started, tell me a little bit about Steph, where you are, where you're coming from, and just a little bit about background uh, for yourself and for market distribution or district. Sure. Season. sure, I'll start with me who I am. Um, so my name is Steph. I'm from the Netherlands, 37, tomorrow turning eight. So don't forget to put it in your calendar. Um, <laughs> I'm... Um, I'm from the Netherlands. I lived uh, actually in five countries. And now for the last two years, I've lived in Italy, also where now the majority of my team is uh, located. So we are in a city called Luca, that is in, uh, in uh, Tuscany between Pisa and uh, Florence. So I'm actually looking now over the, the Tuscan hills. Nice view. Very nice. Uh, married uh, to children and uh, in the uh, Amazon industry for since 2011. So I'm a real dinosaur, I think, especially for, <laughs> for European standards. And uh, always been active actually on uh, on the European level. So from, uh, from Italy to Norway, from Switzerland to Ireland worked with Amazon for several years, uh, but also, I mean, there are a lot of marketplaces, especially locally, and I worked basically with all the major ones over the last uh, 10 years. And uh, yeah, now we're focused on uh, still marketplaces and uh, but with a little bit more experience and supporting uh, all kinds of brands uh, in Europe, but also a lot outside Europe entering the Amazon uh, industry and uh, supporting them uh, make some extra business on, uh, on this uh, interesting sales channel. That's a very conducive and very well-rounded way to put it. I, so there's a lot of ways that... I, I look at you, you're, you said that you're a dinosaur in the space, which again, in comparison to the industry standards, that, that, that can be, you've experienced and seen a lot of evolution, uh, is what I like to call it. You're very well versed in all the changes that Amazon has made. Um, your focus is in what, .com, but you said uh, mainly getting people into the European Amazon marketplace, is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've been doing business also outside Europe, but uh, my main expertise is always on the European level. So I worked within companies uh, as mainly in the majority of years as an interim manager, as a freelancer. And then when a company had the ambition to start selling to the end user through marketplaces in Europe, basically they hired me to set that up. So we, I was looking at the customer support, do they speak different languages, at the payment providers, at the, the warehousing, the logistics, the local return addresses, uh, basically everything that's necessary to be able to, uh, to sell through, on a, let's say, on an optimized level towards the consumer. Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. So are you, have you ever um, sold Amazon yourself or has it always been helping other brands kind of scale and, and find that that growth ecosystem. No, I never, I never, I worked for many brands, small brands, big brands. Never actually, I'm not that creative. I'm maybe creative in business, but uh, I'm not that um, 
good and, and, and product ideas. Yeah. I like to work with the product uh, entrepreneurs. So you often see within the business there are two types of entrepreneurs. One is the product guy, the other as well, the commercial guy. Well, I'm actually the commercial guy working with all the product guys that uh, can focus on the product and I can actually focus on the business development part. That's amazing. So what about, um, what made you get into the Amazon ecosystem, if you will? Like what, what, what about the opportunity presented itself, even back when you said you were starting the business and how, how did you forecast that as a, this is an opportunity where it will just yield results long-term, not just of, Hey, this is a flash in the pan. Amazon's going to be around for, for many, many years. And this is going to allow businesses, both big and small to, to flourish online and, and find a different channel of growth. Well, it actually started uh, in 2011 with Groupon. Uh, Groupon used to be just a marketing website where you would buy coupons. And that was only, let's say, for experience, not for products. And then they launched a new uh, concept, and that was Groupon products. They were only selling one product for 24 hours. While nowadays, there are probably thousands of products online. So basically, I was working for a company, and that company had uh, the owner uh, was also doing some trade he had overstock and he said staff can i do something with it i was client of groupon and i said yeah well i, I don't know groupon let's give it let's give them a call and so i called them and said yeah we like the product we'll put it live uh, but you have to manage everything yourself so um uh, basically people would buy a coupon and they would need to go to a landing page and so basically you need to set up a web shop or at least a temporary web shop a payment provider in case they also wanted to pay for delivery cost uh and but also the rest of the operation you need to have stock you need to have shipments you need a warehousing the return addresses everything you need to set up so i started as a pilot project as a more of a favor towards that uh to that uh, company owner and uh i mean that i you know i knew more products or not more owners so I sold quite quickly a lot of those products. He was happy with it. So then I contacted some other people. And before you know it, it became my, my full-time business. And uh, so I, I, what I did in those years was always directly working on an international level. And that was by then, it was really not common if i you would go to the the tax authorities or to any logistical company there were no international contracts or you were paying like consumer prices to ship to uh, to those countries so to give you a bit of a background if i wanted to sell in france i i actually needed to fly to france to talk to la poste I went to the UK to talk to Royal Mail. I went to Scandinavia to talk to Bring. So I really had to set it, set it up locally. And obviously that gave me a good idea of um, what actually e-commerce is. E-commerce, especially in Europe, is, is logistics, is, is operation. And that's how I actually got uh, got involved with it. And I think one of the reasons why we are successful is I've been talking for 10 years with brands about the importance of cross-border e-commerce and about uh, the importance of e-commerce uh, e platforms. And in those 10 years, you've seen it all happening, right? So you were talking to the, the big brands and you were explaining them, yeah, well, your future is going to be Amazon or other marketplaces. And then they would say, well, I don't know. We have distributors there. They have exclusivity. We don't know. Cross-border sales is a bit scary, etc. And... Um, and so that's basically been my whole my whole job is on one side look at are we operational uh, on a level that the end user is 
you know, happy with his uh, experience. And on the other hand, I was always talking to brands about, you know, the importance of to start thinking about an international level. Because before, I mean, keep in mind the, the retail market was a, quite a luxurious market for, for several years. If there was a trend, uh, for example, I'm now in Luca, and uh, I, if in the case I would sell, for example, televisions, and uh, I would sell the television for 500 euro, and then in Florence, uh, some, and that's like an hour drive, the same person would sell it for 50 euro cheap. Hey, no problem. I mean, nobody from Florence would drive from uh, an hour towards Luca. So what's the issue? So when the moment obviously e-commerce came, then the whole ball game changed because there was one shop, one guy that started, uh, you know, playing around with prices or was smart with marketing campaigns, and they were attracting people from every store, whatever every location. Um, but the good thing actually was is if you look at it by then, I mean, at least the revenues and also the taxes and also the the the, the work stayed in that country. But nowadays, through cross-border e-commerce, there are companies with much more resources. So basically, the, the staff is no longer in that country. Uh, the, the taxes are no longer paid in that country. So from that perspective, it's not only for your own business reason that you need to be smart, because otherwise, you mean, on European level, there are much more smarter guys than 50 kilometers around you or than a country or than on a European level. Um, so I always try to convince people, do it. I mean, don't, you know, it's going to happen left or right. And I can tell you with all brands I've been talking to in the last uh, 10 years, there is literally none that didn't decide now to to focus on uh, cross-border e-commerce. It's, uh, it's part of the game and that what, me, what helps me, I'm no longer getting stressed when certain uh, new compliance come up or new <laughs> operational complexity. I mean, when I was starting, I could ship a product with two weeks delivery and there was no issue. Yeah, except when you would ship to South Europe because they were directly giving me all kinds of names. Um, uh, but uh, that was the service level. That was okay. That was acceptable. But by, by now, if you don't ship within 20 for hours and provide to track and trace and they can able to change for example the address you're no longer a good provider so that a lot changed let's say but it's good to have the very basic fundament of how a business actually is being run uh, from uh, an e-commerce space that's such a fascinating evolution and in you you touched on a lot of fascinating points and what i mean by that is just the evolution expectations, I think, is, is a major component of both seller and buyer of how quickly a product gets to doorstep. But then also, like you said, the compliance and the complexity of which has, has now made it more difficult for some people. For you, I'm sure it's it's a walk in the park. It's it's not a uh, shake your head. What do we do? It's not a it's, it's not this this detrimental uh, notion to you because you've had to deal with change so often. Is, is that what, so what is it that makes Amazon in Europe so difficult to, to comprehend or, or grasp? But if I'm a brand that, that kind of evolves and I want to start selling in .com and that's where a lot of people initially start, moving it to a different marketplaces again, each country has its own marketplace for the most part in Europe. What makes it so difficult for people to grasp the notion of th there's, a, there's a small tweaks you have to make, but it's not as difficult or it might be it's not as difficult as maybe one would suggest or expect, but more of a opportunistic approach. And you, it might take a little bit more time, but that's worth it ultimately. 
I mean, in, in, in general, if you want to grow as a business, uh, you can do two things. Uh, or you sell more to your existing market, basically by improving your product or get variants on your current product. Or the second solution is you open up a new market. And uh, what is a luxurious position in America is that you can reach 300 million consumers. Uh, that uh, all know UPS, all uh, uh, can pay to one bank account, can uh, you can talk in English. Well, if you want to reach 300 million consumers in Europe, you need to talk five languages. Uh, currently, Amazon is active in eight countries. So those are right now, you have Polish Slotty, you have Swedish Krone, you have uh, the, um, uh, the pound and you have the euro. So there's already four euros. And you have all different VAT levels. So, and then you have different logistical costs because in every country it varies. Also, the return costs are varies. So to set it up as one, uh, you need to set it up all focus on the local market because there is no such thing as a European product strategy. Uh, but then also you need to control the variable costs because uh, to give you an, a, a simple example, if you would ship something, uh, for example, from uh, from the UK to let's say Germany, the let's say the largest Amazon market, um, and you would, for example, use fulfilled by merchant or FBA. Um, but let's in this scenario you use fulfilled by merchant, then you ship a product towards Germany. Then it arrives in two days. This person is not uh, at home. So um, if you do not have a good contract that the product stays in Germany after the ringing twice the door, the product will automatically go back to the international return hub. To ship a product from UK to Germany is maybe costing eight euro, whatever depends on the volume and the weight. Uh, but actually, to get a return, probably is going to cost you double. So you paid eight to ship, and you paid sixteen to go back. That's twenty-four euros. But actually, the product doesn't come back immediately. It stays in the hub. So basically, it can stay there for a month or two months or three months. Then you get it back. The parcel is completely aft. Uh, so you are unable to reuse the product anymore. But in the meanwhile, obviously, the client is not happy because he said, "Yeah, I shipped. A, I bought a product. Why is not here?" They said, "Yeah, it's returned. Yeah, I want to have it." So he sent again the same product to the client. <laughs> so basically, you uh, are paying again the eight euro for shipment. You have two products uh, gone right now. So what, what? And in the meanwhile, your customer support is quite heavily. Plus, you need to have a German person focusing on the German market because otherwise you're going to get complaints. Um, so this is just one example how you can think you set up a good uh, network, but because unable to control the variables, the business is actually not not really profitable. So um, I think every country has its own rules when it comes to buying online. Uh, every company, every country has its own VAT levels, uh, currencies in several levels. So there are much more cost to, to keep in mind. And I think for somebody uh, that is not from this industry, I mean, uh, and not been working international, I think it's, it's just too much to really understand how to oversee the complete operation and to make a profitable business, especially in the first year, you're going to have a very painful and costly learning curve. So 
the European market is, if you look at on the number of online users, is twice the size of America. So from that perspective, if you want to open a new market, Europe is the best market to go to, but it's not a side project. And you can also not can hire a project manager that's going to understand uh, to be able to talk to local accountants that understands the local laws, understands the local warehousing, etc., etc. So I think that uh, all those different variables that makes it a different business. So I always say, it's also one of the reasons why I say we are not an agency uh, because Amazon is not an, uh, in a Europe at least, or any e-commerce business in Europe, is not a marketing business. If you want to set up a business on an, an, for Amazon in Europe, it's not that the majority are marketees. It's actually operating business and you need marketees, but without actually controlling the operating, then you can have good marketees, but you're going to have a bad customer experience at the end and then you have a short-term business. So it makes sense, obviously, when I hear that you have to have a unique strategy for almost every marketplace, not just a, quote, European marketing strategy. You need to have a Germany strategy. I need to have an Italy strategy. I need to have a UK strategy. Is that how you educate and you kind of break down for brands entering the space? It's it's more unique and different. You need to be cognizant in the localization and really play by the rules in that regards. Is that as niche as you go, or do you, do you want to play a a broader approach in that regard. I, I I think in general, when you set up, for example, you make when you make contracts with, uh, for example, a logistical company, you talk European, obviously, uh, because you wanna you make sure the volumes are growing to one logistical party or maybe two, and that's about it. You don't want to work with all kinds of local logistical companies, because basically, the more volume, the better you can negotiate the pricing. But you need to understand the specifics of the countries to uh, avoid any risks in the future. So we personally, uh, at least from our our company, we do not have a European strategy. So we have a German in-house, just the German market, the France in-house, and also the French market. Because uh, it's uh, you, if you would hire a translating company, are just going to translate your your product pages, but actually knowing the local behavior of the client, the trends of the of the of the local market. Surely you're going to do some business, but on the long term, the guys that are smarter and have a better idea of how it works locally are going to win. And the one that is winning on the end, create more resources that at the end they will win on the long term. So, um, you know, there is no things as a European strategy. Uh, we, there's only a, a local strategy. That's the, the only way if you want to win on the long term. So tell me, tell me about Steph. Um, and this, this, the data is super fascinating about the cross-border buying aspect of everything of when we have customers or clients and they are in a different countries, the notion of, hey, the customer, unlike the United States where it's all just.com, there's a big notion of cross-border buying as well. For example, if you know I'm in Italy and I'm buying in Germany, I will have uh, people that are buying in the Amazon de instead of uh italy and so there's more of a notion of cross-border buying instead of just maybe in that central marketplace that you're attacking so there's a lot of different components if people had to had to choose you're putting i'm assuming listings in one area or all areas to make sure that they're they're capturing every sort of customer if that makes sense or is there one um major one where you can probably capture if i'm in germany 
I will capture an Italian share. I will capture a um, Portuguese share. I will capture a Spain share. Any anything of that notion that you're seeing with data or that can back up in that regard? So basically, uh, especially if the, the client is not really familiar with your brand or the platform where you're buying, uh, you it's it's all about uh, trustability. And when a client in the Netherlands sees the product is not coming from the Netherlands, it's coming from uh, from Germany or even further, the chance that they're gonna buy at the platform is quite minimum. Uh, so the idea is always to focus on the on the local client. So if you the domain doesn't have to be that domain, but at least you want to show there is local customer support in their own language and preferably also a local return address because people are gonna judge you on that if they are able when they buy it, it's it's it, they can buy it, but are they also able to return it, for example? So um, surely there is some some cross border sales happening. Or actually, there's a lot of cross border sales happening. But do the does the end user actually know he's buying something outside his own country? I think in most cases they don't really know. And that's also because it's presented like that. Uh, if the client would do research, then surely they're going to find out. But often it's an emo emotional buy. They don't check it. But then if you want to close the, the quick win, the quick decision, it, it's focused on giving the client the peace that they're buying it from a local shop. Absolutely. Well, and, that, and that's especially in the notion where we saw even the data of returns, especially this time of year, lots of different brands are seeing a spike in. Uh, billions of dollars uh, across the industry, billions of dollars in returns. Uh, it's actually more cost effective. I'm assuming in Europe, is there a strategy for returns that maybe not apply to other marketplaces? For example, you said it's so it's cost prohibitive to keep going to different marketplaces or different countries across the board just because of the the natural, you know, costs associated with it. Is there a notion which more Europeans are? And again, I, I'm not there and I'm not living in it. Maybe this is a notion you can see firsthand. Is there a lot of cognizance in terms of returns or just keep it and not have to resend it because of the no, no. actually of depends a lot per country for example if you look at the netherlands the netherlands is one of the most highest customer uh, uh, it's all about customer service so uh, in the netherlands you've been expecting next day delivery already for i don't know minimum five years and maybe even even longer while amazon introduced it here in, in some, some for example in italy um so it depends per country on what they expect so if they see a um, a web shop where the customer service is bad meaning that uh, you have to wait several weeks before you get the money back or it's complex to delivery in general they don't they don't really buy there uh, but uh, the, the, the the companies that have a really high customer service level, such so for example as Zalando, they are the one that are able to attract the majority of the sales, but also, and Zalando obviously is also in the clothing industry, they, you have a lot of returns. Um, so I think it varies per country uh, how the client is behaving, simply how they've been educated, what to expect from a service level point of view. Uh, if you look at the the owner of the web shop, uh, obviously when he's selling cross border, it, the the cost is much higher. Not only the return cost, but also the time of actually 
receiving the parcels back is often shipped to different trucks. So the quality of the cards are, are worse. So I think from that perspective, uh, the cost versus in America are, are going to be much higher. Well, that, and that's something to consider because of uh, just the cost in general of those marketplaces and to your bottom line, like you said, that that actually, if I'm hearing that, is that is that opportunity for optimization or is that should I be afraid of knowing that going into the marketplace that this is going to be part of business on an everyday transaction that there's going to be maybe a higher return rate or higher cost when it comes to that regards and margins might take a little bit of a hit. So we need to either sell higher or figure out a little bit more of a different product to be putting in. So maybe those are the higher margin products that I put into Europe instead. I think in general, uh, it's always case by case. Uh, so if you have a, a product that has a high return ratio, you're going to have that same uh, experience everywhere. Um, if and then again if if i'm understanding you correct uh yeah you need to you need to calculate that upfront like everything all the other additional variable costs that you maybe don't have in your local market you need to calculate because i'm not talking a lot about americans going to to europe but also for what people a lot of people actually think is that okay you're in europe so for example when i meet somebody in america and they said uh, they say where you're from in the netherlands then they think that i'm visiting paris in the weekend because it's just a, a four-hour drive so easy <laughs> uh but basically that maybe happens once in a few few, few years so uh, a lot of the local let's say the european companies when they go cross-border, it's actually almost, I don't want to say it's the, the same step as, as an American goes uh, goes ac across the ocean, but it's still a big step to be taken. And often the step they are taking is just saying, okay, I'm in the Netherlands, so I go to Germany. Or if I'm in, 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 in Germany, I go to France. So you always go to your neighbor countries, but actually uh, there are just a few that really uh, look at the market on a European uh, level. So what about so and yeah. that and that oh. I believe actually is the opportunity also for the for the European market uh, to to do not consider the country next to you but focus more on the on the con on Europe in total and once you actually are live in all the countries then actually focus your area focus on the area the country where you have the majority of the of the profits is there with Amazon how because of United States is its own essential market, obviously. Is Amazon looking cross-border more closely um, in terms of like pricing or optimization for shipping logistics? Is there a way to, if I'm a brand, kind of tie into that notion if they're saying, hey, it's cheaper and actually more efficient if instead of buying from Italy, maybe if somehow it, buying from Germany is actually more efficient and cost-effective maybe i i ship it and or i i you want to buy it from that marketplace is it is there a notion or is there a proven track record that amazon is working in that capability or is that still somewhat unknown or is that so a notion I, not I, even to worry about i know i mean basically on amazon you have your your 1p and your 3p as a 1p amazon is the selling party and they then decide they're then the invoice partner to the consumer so they then decide what is the selling price of that product in that country uh, amazon uh, constantly checks what is the local price and uh, I know that when the market price in Italy is, for example, uh, lower and the operational costs are higher, the product page ranking will go down. 
So obviously that system constantly are checking what is the best price to sell per country, per product per country. For sellers, it's the same. I hear so often that I ask for pricing and then they said, yeah, the pricing is uh, 35 euros for all Europe. And then I just say, okay, well, let's say, okay, we have a 35 euro in the middle. What's the minimum and the max? And then we can start playing around on, on country level. And then uh you're going to recognize that in certain countries uh you need to sell it a bit more expensive or more higher simply because the competition is different or the demand is uh, different um so um also what you need to keep in mind for example um uh, amazon you if you want to sell in a country you need to so for example if i store goods in germany and i ship to germany i need to have a german vat number for the moment, uh, Amazon is offering uh, FBA, so that means uh, you can ship it then you ship it to the Amazon warehouses when, when you have an importer, but at least let's say you have your stock in Germany, and then you can start shipping it also to Italy. So the, the client in Italy say, goes to Amazon.it, and then but actually the product is shipped from Germany to Italy. The delivery time is a little bit longer. You pay a little bit more, um, but uh, it's, it's quite a doable operation to to set up but once you reach a certain revenue level for example in, in i think in in italy is thirty five thousand euro you also have to need a local vat number that means that you need to have a, a italian vat number mm -hmm. from that moment on once you have that you can also start storing your goods in in italy when you store your goods in italy and ship it to an italian customers you can imagine that also the logistical cost goes down so on that way you can start looking at it on a european level but at the end uh, you're going to probably end up at least if you do some good business uh to storing your products locally and also having a, a more efficient you know a lower price towards that consumer absolutely is that the not sure if that answers your question yeah i was gonna say that, that that sounds like the pan-european program is that is that correct what you were describing there the oh, well, in, indeed that's what i'm uh, describing yeah okay yeah. so yeah for for a listener out there if you're listening uh to staff yeah the it's essentially a program that you have to either be accepted into, I believe still, um, with the notion that put in one facility, Amazon will mark it as a prime labeled product. But like you said before, taking it from Journey and delivering it to Italy might be a couple days delayed, but essentially it is marked as that um, in that operation too. There's a North American remote fulfillment program as well. Very similar concept. Um, if you have goods in FBA in the United States, you can distribute to Canada or Mexico as well. So yeah. keep, uh, keep in mind, I mean, the pan-European uh, business is a good business. I mean, to use the Amazon fulfillment uh, business, sure. but um, Amazon doesn't take import risk. So if you are non-European company, that means you need to have an importer of records. Mm -hmm. Importer records has 10 years product liability. So if you do not have a local hub in Europe, that means you would never be able to use the Amazon system because you cannot ship direct to Amazon without uh, having a local hub first that receives receives the goods. So it's um, once you have that first base set up, then it's a good step to start working on a European level. But you need to make first the step of actually opening up a company in uh, in any of the European countries. Right, and there's companies like that too. That's not something that you handle directly, is it? 
Yeah, yeah. we handle that also. Okay. It's uh, for me. It's uh, it's uh, it's necessary to. Uh, I prefer to have everything in control. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's also something Absolutely. we organize. So what, what the that's a curious fact that you have to have ten years of liability on that. What does that mean to a seller? What what, what does that look like? Of why is that important? Well, basically, you have product. Uh, you have product responsibility. So if you if your product for some reason is not compliant with local law and somebody goes to the lawsuit, you are responsible. So you need to have an importer that says, I will take that uh, product uh, liability. Uh, so that's something you cannot avoid, obviously, because you want that is for European way to protect themselves of goods that do not, um, you know, are not good for the consumer. Absolutely. I mean, that's very important to know too, because working with a good um, importer of record, very, very important in that regards too, to make sure your business doesn't get attacked or anything of that sort. Again, or even come into just a notion of liability. You just want to protect your business and all those assets as well. Yeah. So what we normally do to give you a bit of an insight also for, for your listeners to, to think how they should do it. So um, there are local laws. So Europe was seen as a, a big country, but obviously it's not. German laws are different than uh, than Danish uh, or Polish or, or Dutch. So you need to uh, make sure that your products are compliant against local demands. So if you receive uh, uh, your, your product label, for example, needs to be in the local language. So what we, for example, do is we receive it often just with the English label and then we ship it to German. We just put the German label on it, but you first obviously have to check if the ingredient actually is able to be sold in that country. So what normally you want to do, check, you want to start checking uh, what the local laws are to make sure your products are compliant. And then you go to Amazon to see what, what the their rules are to start selling products in that specific product category. And once you have that all set up, then uh, it's going to, yeah, then you at least are okay. But then I can recommend uh, product liability insurance. And then they're going to check if, the, if there's a way to insure yourself against issues because what you want to avoid is, um, you know, some people have trend products. And uh, so basically you launch new products and then you go to the next uh, trend that happens, obviously. But people, if they're still using your product after five years and you forgot about it and something goes wrong, somebody swallows it and there is a certain uh, whatever can happen, then you're going to be uh, liable. And then we're not talking about uh, small fines. You're talking about, uh, you know, major, major fines. So that that's definitely important to make sure you control that uh, part because otherwise on the long term, you're, uh, you're screwed. For for yeah for for a light term, it, d does that make the decision of which products to put into those marketplaces a little bit easier and more defined? Of hey, because of certain complexities, whether it be laws or whether it be certain notions of each of these marketplaces, maybe not the smartest idea to enter my electronics brand into Germany. Or is it is there a topic kind of definition that makes it a little bit easier, more difficult to? Five, I, I, th I, I, I think in general, it's okay. You know, the majority of the products that can be sold, for example, in America can also be sold in, in Europe. But to give you an example, a really unique example, but that gives a bit of an idea how, how, how 
which direction it can go. We had a company that was selling uh, Maluka honey, honey. So it was a company from New Zealand and they were pretty successful on, on Amazon.com. And then we said, okay, we were interested in, uh, you know, uh, distributing your product in Europe. And then we started doing research. But then we realized honey is the only product that's being produced by an insect. <laughs> so no other product is being produced uh, literally by an insect. Yeah. So you come in a product uh, segment that almost no logistical uh, because you need to be able to also ship it in a container and in the container you need to have a, a fall within a sort of product security and if you're in a certain product code is what they call it that nobody knows nobody is uh, even though if you just explain it's honey they say well we're not going to do it we don't know the product code we don't have any experience so then you had just uh, you could we could organize the import we could organize the, uh, the liability risk but we were unable to find uh, a, a company that was willing to put it on their uh, their boat. At the end, we were able to find it. We have a very good partner when it comes to uh, to that part. It's a Mondiale VGL. Um, um, but then we came to the next part is then you go to storage and then your warehouse also needs to be on a certain certificate and then getting the certificate was not that complex but that certificate means that three times per year somebody can come in your warehouse to check if you're still storing the product for that according their uh, requirements so um it's just um, per category a bit different on the things you need to be uh, focused on. But if you are specialized in a certain product category, uh, you are often already a bit familiar what uh, what to expect. That specific case with honey, obviously, I never been able to think about what what can happen. But that's let's say a learning curve also for us. <laughs> well, every every product is so unique and different, like you said. Even just the storage functionality of if it's sitting in a warehouse, what what are the capabilities of if it's a product of long term cold storage or something of the of the sort? If that that's not capable in those marketplaces, you have to really do the research and kind of really think it through in that regards. Because, like you said, in in dot com makes a little bit easier notion to have, to figure that out. Maybe yep. maybe not so much in Germany or Italy or where whatever that may be. Um, no, but that, that for example, that, that specific product was in the NANS uh, more complex than, for example, in the UK. Uh, or we have also cleaning material that is in the UK more easy sure. than versus, for example, in Germany. So it's that there's always uh, some local laws you need to uh, need to at least check a bit. But I'm not, I'm talking a lot about the complexity of the market. Uh, right. But Where's the opportunity, um, Steph? The, I'm hearing I'm hearing problems. Well, actually, where, where are we overcoming? I, I I believe that the company only has a future when they think about uh, the international way. And yes, it's complex to set up the operation, but once you have the operation set up, you have the largest e-commerce market. I mean, the largest uh, versus America, we are double of online users, but also the average spending per user is higher because simply the salaries are a bit different than, than in the US. And also people are more common to, uh, depends per country to buy online. So it's a massive country uh, opportunity from uh from 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 market size opportunity but also like i said i've been doing this for 10 years right so obviously i um 
for me is like, okay, I've been doing it for so many comp companies setting that up, so I know what to do. But what I saw is for the companies that actually do it, they are always successful. Maybe more in one country than the other country, that's fine. But basically, there's always a market in a country. So for example, if a product would not work in America, you know, you have an issue. But in, the, in Europe, Amazon is active in eight countries and they launch new countries uh, a lot. So you have the opportunity to exploit a lot of markets for products that maybe didn't sell in America, but maybe going to sell better in South Europe. So what's, what's happening is that when you have uh, different trends on a country level, that means that your business in general is experienced trends, but from different countries. So it creates a sort of stability. So... Um, the size is the mark size is good. The type of clients are good. The spreading of the risk is, is good. But I think what one of the the most important things is for uh, for the, for people to understand is that, like I told in, uh, in the beginning or in the mid of this meeting, is that it's not that the Netherlands companies always think on a European level, right? So there is a lot, there are a lot of market opportunities. If you are a market leader in Germany, you're not a market leader in France, you're in Italy or in Spain. So there are a lot of local small market leaders. And often those companies don't think international, they have less resources. So for the companies that actually start talking, looking at it on a European level, you see that they are able to get strong positions on every country level, basically because they gain reviews, they get more resources, they improve the product because of the more resources. So I think uh, that is a, a massive opportunity. So also to give you a little bit more insight on that part, so we work for a lot, a lot of big companies like uh, multi-billion companies, multi-billion brands. And I also talk to them about, you know, you need to go on a European level, but the majority of those multi multinationals actually never work on a European level. So that's weird, obviously. I mean, it's one company, but what happens is that every country has a local sales office and the local sales office has focused on what kind of revenue goes to my local office and how can I get commission out of that? So they're often blocking uh, like uh, concepts like or solution opportunities like Amazon because then you are opening up the market for the cross-border sales. So when the headquarters is getting a lot of uh, pushback from the local sales officers not to work with that country or that country, that country, often decisions are being, you know, uh, move further. But especially the bigger companies say, let's talk in six months, let's talk in a, let's talk in a year. But when I see that a product category is being launched, that gives a big opportunity. So... Uh, even though there are a lot of big companies also, the, you as a small company, you're able to get a lot of market simply because the big companies are just not ready there. And that I think in this America is totally different because they don't have that issue like, like we have. Obviously you have states, but it's not that in every state there is an own Amazon. So you can imagine in the scenario, if that was the case, what kind of uh, issues it would bring. Well, that issues do we have? So once you have avoided that part, right. you have, you, let's say you have an open market to really uh, gain big business. So if you do good business in America, you, could, you should be able to do the same business in Europe or even more. Yeah, you've painted such a bigger picture, which I think a lot of people just take for granted of looking at separate marketplaces, which again, it, it, it makes sense to have a different marketplace strategy, but looking at the opportunity as a whole, Europe, uh, twice as many people collectively as the United States, not just as one entity 
but as a collective whole. And uh, I even think on your website when I was looking through it, just the twice the buying power, um, uh, people who are shopping online that are very customized to online and you're reaching in more marketplaces, uh, more people, which again, more buying power. So as a, an approach, it makes a lot more sense to think of it as a, entering a US, or Amazon Europe instead of Amazon Germany in those regards. So if I'm, if I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, where do I start? Well, what's the, what's the process of where do I even begin my expansion going into Europe for the first time? What are some tips that, or a couple of tips that you can maybe suggest for people just to start out and get going? So there are three ways to, to get started. Uh, one way is you're going to uh, hire a project manager. Uh, that project manager needs to start looking for the local partners. So who are the main partners? Uh, one, you need compliance. Uh, you need uh, a company that's going to support you with the, the import. Uh, then you need a company for multilingual customer support. Um, then you need a marketing agency and you need a warehouse and that normally such warehouses have often contracts with logistical companies. So you, through that warehouse, you can also often get good contracts with that logistical company. The, the good thing is that uh, it are all, let's say, bigger companies uh, that are doing Amazon, but often not specialized. So you need to really be careful if they understand Amazon, because also Amazon for any cyber company, it's not a side project because of the complexity, the changing rules, the system, how it works. You need to have really trained people focusing on, on Amazon. So that's going to be in a, a crucial part. So if you're going to start looking for third-party logistical warehouses, really make sure they have a dedicated Amazon space with people that don't do anything else than, than Amazon, because otherwise you're going to get chargebacks. And that, believe me, the warehouse is not going to pay you for the for the chargebacks. Um, so uh, it's a, it's a pro process that uh, will take you minimum six months to get it organized to understand the contracts uh, but then you have local partners to to work with gotcha. the second solution is that you're going to set up an internal um, um, internal team but that is a very costly operation that i can only recommend for the big big companies because like i said uh, you need a german for the german market but probably Germany is not directly a full-time position and you're not able to recruit something part-time. So uh, if you're a big company, then you can make such decisions to invest on the long term. Then you are able to hire a digital marketeer, uh, a customer support and uh, a financial controller for managing the complete uh, operation. The investments obviously are very, very high uh, and you're gonna, it's going to take you a year before the recruitment process is done and before you are a little bit up and running on a desired level. And the third solution is, you know, you can work with, uh, work with us. Uh, we offer IELTS Amazon infrastructure as a service. So basically we manage it end to end. Our operation is designed for, for Amazon. That's a nice little dovetail into that. So, so if people are in off number three, door number three, Steph, what, what is the best way to um, figure out more about Marketplace Distry or yourself and, and get more information? Well, I think the companies that need to, uh, uh, if companies are, the companies that should look at us are companies that want to accelerate in Amazon on a European level, so always on a European level. Um, 
So basically, you need to have a winning product that you want to start accelerating without investing in your own infrastructure. Uh, because we have our infrastructure completely designed for Amazon, uh, we do our own import, all everything. We can actually pick up the goods in your warehouse in China or America, wherever it is. And we can be up and running, having actually the first sales in the in the second month already, instead of six months to, to a year. Um, we are a company that uh, that in case you have for example a catalog of uh, of 20 products you're talking about maybe two and a half three thousand euro per month for uh, the ios business so we always say for the price of a half fte you get a designed infrastructure of 25 people working every day on developing your business so if you want to really scale rapidly without any uh, the quickest and uh, way to to do this but also cost effective uh, obviously because it's uh, we are working quite efficient we have a catalog of managing 300,000 products we know how it is to uh, to to let's say work with volumes and set up processes that work so uh, we are for we are the European accelerator that is uh, complete designed with uh, Amazon. So that are the clients that wanna should work with us is that they, they wanna make quick decisions, quick scaling. Then we are the right partner. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on the success. Three hundred thousand, you know, ASINs that you're managing is is not a small feat. So if you're if you're seeing success in those marketplaces, again, opportunity at scale makes a lot of sense for a lot of brands who are looking to take that next step level, but in the measured approach. So if they're going to try to get out in touch with you, is it email? Is it through a website? What, what is that way? Yeah, also websites marketplacedistry.com. Uh, they can also reach out to my LinkedIn profile that you also shared in this, uh, in this post. And uh, so basically what normally happens is that uh, we look at the catalog and then we come back often within a few days with uh, a plan of approach with the estimated cost. And uh, and then the client has a really good end-to-end -end, uh, idea of uh, what to expect, what their responsibility is, and uh, when we should be up and running against which cost. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, for uh, Steph, for hopping on today, just talking a little bit about um just the opportunity in europe as a whole obviously marketplace to marketplace a little bit more different um on amazon on different marketplaces that are not amazon because there's a lot out there we've talked about on the show before but just shedding light on that opportunity in 2022 makes a lot of sense for, i think for a lot of listeners who are taking that next level uh approach for their brain so thank you so much for hopping on today and crossover commerce now friend of the show yeah. so uh i appreciate it Thank you. Thank you very much, Ryan. And again, I really want to point out that um, I think the biggest opportunity really is Amazon Europe. You see, for example, a lot of aggregators also really uh, buying up all those brands, folks on the American brand. But I think because of the complexity of the market, that's actually the large opportunity. So once you control that, then you are in a much stronger position because also your competitors are unable to just copy paste your, your operation. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, look at it at, as I think the biggest opportunity when you already are successful on Amazon.com, then I think Europe is the next step to really scale. You don't have to invest in your products. It's just, you know, working with good partners and, and get started. And then on the long term, you're going to be very happy. And with a little bit of luck, you also can come sometimes to, to Tuscany, uh, enjoying the sun and, and the wine in the meanwhile.
<laughs> I uh, I have a trip that's on hold uh, right now for ten days in Italy, so oh, I'll nice. take you up on that. It's supposed to it's supposed to happen, so soon enough I'll be over there uh, for sure. But hey, I th- yeah, exactly. Well, we'll make sure I have to touch base when that happens. But hey, thank you so much, Steph, for hopping on today on Crossover Commerce. Now, friend of the show, as always, I welcome back. It. Anytime you want to talk, uh, you're you're welcome back in this corner. So thank you so much for hopping on today. Sure, thanks, Ryan. Uh, Oh, I'm going to unmute myself, but thank you very much, everyone else, for coming on episode 212 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and best in the Amazon e-commerce space. We talk Amazon Europe, so many great opportunities. Think about it at scale. Think about it, your brand entering a marketplace, not just on country to country level, but it's going to be holistic picture. And in businesses like that, they've done it for a long time, like Marketplace Distry. They're going to be doing and helping your brand grow to a significant level of opportunity growth um, and what that valuation looks like for your business if you choose to grow it or even it just trying to build it out for you, your business, um, reaching those markets and those different places all around the world, not just your street or your country. Now it's now it's worldwide business and it takes it to a new level. It might be scary first, but there's resources out there that help with that. I'm Ryan Kramer. This is Crossover Commerce. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you guys next time on another episode. Take care.